Sometimes it is so remarkably misplaced. Yes? What we choose to be all pumped up about and what we choose to be like, eh, eh, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about in this idea of joy. Um, very, as I mentioned before, excited for this, this four weeks to talk about this. And uh, today we're going to talk about what is joy. And I'm very excited about just today. Next week, we're going to talk about the things that threaten to steal our joy. And on the third week, I'm so excited, we're going to be talking about joy keeping, joy keepers, and we're going to be able to introduce you to one of our friends we met in East Asia, uh, Shalo, who is, I just don't have words. Uh, I'm so excited to introduce her to you and share her stories. And then on the final week, we're going to talk about staying, how to remain and, and hold on to joy. We need this. We really need this. We need it. It was interesting because most of the time when I have given a talk similar to this, I have been a, I've had to do it in one setting, all of these things in one setting. And it's sort of delicious at the thought of getting to actually marinate and breathe in and breathe out and live and consider and go slowly through this idea of joy. Because, as I said, I really believe we here in this culture, we need this. And I believe Highland needs this right now in this moment. We need a good drink, a good breath, a good reminder for some. And for others, it will be an awakening for the first time to really what joy is. So what I'd like to do here first is I just just want us to sit still for a moment and uh, pray listen. I want to just minister to you for a moment through just some stillness, and then I want to tell you a story. I want to share some words with you, and um, then we're going to worship together. So we're going to go on a little journey together, if you're willing. I'd like you to come with me. I believe the Lord wants to take us somewhere today to bring rescue, to let earth get thin, let gravity go away just for a moment, and let us really remember what this is all about. So I'd like you to um, say Psalms 51 with me, Psalms 51.12. It's a pretty famous scripture. Many of you know it. Others of you, maybe this will be new for you, but it's a good prayer. So let's read it together. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's just be still. If you know it, you can say it with me again. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Because this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you And if heaven's not my home Then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven. 
door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. One of my favorite hymn writers, Fanny Crosby, blind all of her life, she said it this way, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, lost in his love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. One of my favorite songs about joy that Michael Card wrote, an artist a long time ago, very simple chorus, but he said this, There is a joy in the journey, there's a light we can love on the way, there is a wonder and wildness to life, and freedom for all who obey. And all those who seek it will find it, a freedom for those who believe. Hope for the hopeless and sight for the blind. Because there is a joy in the journey. There's a light we can love on the way. There is a wonder and wildness to life and freedom for those who obey. Jesus, many of us have grown tired, forgotten. Started looking down and thinking that earth was our home and earth was conclusion and we forgot the story. We forgot the story. We forgot the joy and the journey. Jesus, I stand with my friends and say, restore to us the joy of our salvation and grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. Do something with us today, Jesus, and over the next month that just marks us that we'll never forget the source of our strength. We'll never forget why we're here. 
infuse us with your fruit, Jesus, your joy. It's in your holy name that I ask this prayer. Amen. So what is joy? Is it a feeling that comes and goes? Or is it a human disposition that some people have and some people don't? I've been wrestling all week praying for the words and the way to describe joy. Because I don't believe it's either one of those things. I don't believe it's a feeling. And I don't believe it's a human disposition that some people just have and other people don't. I believe joy belongs to God. It's His. It's a fruit or a production of God. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's God's fruit basket. You hang around with Him, His Spirit comes in you, and these things will start coming out. You can't have joy without God. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think you can have it without having some kind of a God encounter. And I want to talk a lot about that. I, this is what I think joy is. I believe joy is found in a story. And I want to tell you about that in a minute. But last night I was uh, praying and wrestling with this, and then it just hit me how to describe joy. And I think I can do it in two words, and I'm just going to hammer this today over and over again. And you see how it sits in your spirit, and you see if it wrestles with you, and see if the Lord doesn't mess with you some this week, because he does tend to do that, you know. Sticks his finger all up in your business, whether you ask him to or not. This is what I think joy is. Two words. God desire. God desire. Now, we'll just sit in that for a little bit, and I want to talk more about it. I think joy is God desire. If I were going to try to describe it, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a disposition. It belongs to God. I believe it's God desire. So I want to tell you a story, a true story. Uh, Last summer, I was in the middle of a season of mourning a great deal of loss. And we were, uh, we had moved into a little apartment and um, that wasn't what I was mourning. It wasn't the apartment. I actually enjoyed that. Shannon, not so much. And my dog, Molly, not so much. But I actually enjoyed our little adventure in our apartment. But there wasn't a lot of space for quiet. So I went out onto the back deck of my apartment and I was just processing with Jesus this loss. And I was in mourning but I was doing this mourning with Jesus, and I was meditating on the moments of his life where he knew loss, and I was fellowshipping with him in that suffering, very intentionally, wanted to be just like Paul and do that with Jesus. And uh, I was reading Isaiah 53, and uh, I was reading, uh, let's see, I, I wish I forgot my glasses, so we'll see if I can read this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. 
and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And it was at this point in my meditation that... uh, I, I just really sensed the Lord interrupting me. And he asked me a very simple question. And the question was this. And what comes after death? And I had to stop and pause and think. As I was meditating on his death and preparing my heart for release and surrender and death, And Jesus interrupted with, and what comes after death? And it was like I could look up and see this nail-scarred hand reaching out to me saying, and what comes after death? And it was like my eyes were trying to adjust to the light. And it felt like probably Lazarus felt trying to take a breath after being dead. And Jesus asked again, what comes after death? And, well, there was only one answer. Life! Life! Life comes after death. I forgot. I completely forgot the rest of the story. I forgot the hooray, the happily ever after, the the ending. I just, I was so focusing on on the hard stuff that I forgot what the hard stuff was doing. I forgot the resurrection, which is to say that I forgot the gospel, which is to say that I forgot the good news. I'm the guy on the porch and the balloon party came and knocked on my door and I forgot. I forgot the good news. And when it hit me, I can tell you that nothing had changed around me. All the loss that I was still mourning was still present. There was still great difficulty that I was going to have to walk through. But what happened when Jesus reminded me of the rest of the story, when he asked me what comes next, and I answered life? This joy bomb blew up inside my spirit. I got so excited. So I was like... I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. All this is doing something. This is Romans 8. This is, this is, um, overcoming death with life. It really was. Life just swallowed up all that meditation and all that preparation for death. And I started to prepare for resurrection. It was a totally different mindset. I started anticipating life. Instead of anticipating death, and I say again unto you, nothing around me had changed except for me. In my heart, 
Something changed, and I started to believe that God brings life to dead places. The gospel got in me and on me, and I wanted to stand up on the seat of my little back deck apartment, and I wanted to shout to Asheville and to this church and to my own heart, life is coming. Life is coming. Life is coming. Lift up your head. Life is coming. That's the gospel. And you know what happened when I got off my back deck? I walked back in to face the very same world. In fact, things got worse before they got better. But you know what I had? I had strength to face it. (gasps) Because God's word is true. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. But I don't think you can have it if you don't believe the story. The story that life comes after death. And that is the picture that we see, all of us who have walked with Jesus for a while and we've heard the Bible stories, we know the story of Lazarus, right? And we've talked about it a lot here at Highland. I've even shared a lot of words about this. But they came back this week just like a flood. And it's John chapter uh, 10, I believe, can't see my notes, but um, Jesus gets this call that his good friend has passed or is sick. And And those of you who know the story know he didn't go immediately and save him but he says i'm glad i didn't come because i want this is this is going to be a great story basically that's what he says this is going to be a great story and you're going to be talking about it for two thousand years and here we are still talking about it so it's a good thing but when jesus comes to lazarus grave he didn't come to bring flowers right he came for a very different reason and when we go to a graveyard We go to remember the person that lived there once, that we go to reflect on their lives, we go to fellowship and mourn. But when Jesus goes to a graveyard, he doesn't go to lay flowers at the grave. He goes to say to the dead, rise again. Nobody knew that was what Jesus was going to do. Nobody could have seen that coming, but he tells Martha and, and, the, and the crew there to roll the stone away, and of course they say, but it stinks in there. Why? Because death smells bad, and we tend to hide it, don't we, everybody? There are places in our hearts that we have just said, this will never live again, and I've rolled a stone over it, and it stinks in there, and I don't want anybody getting close to it. In fact, when Jesus himself, through his Holy Spirit, starts ministering to you, maybe even right now, and poking at that place, you start getting that Martha on you and saying, it stinks in there. You don't want to open that. And Jesus says, well, that's exactly what I want to do, as a matter of fact, because I'm very good with things that are dead, and I come to bring life. We know the story. They roll the stone away. Jesus speaks very powerful words. And Lazarus comes out from the grave. Why did Jesus do it that way? Because he knew in June 2014, a small group of people assembled in a church called Highland would need to remember that the God they're singing about has the power to raise them from the dead. And I I wonder if we have more faith to believe that he can do that with a physically dead person than he can with a spiritually dead or an emotionally dead. Oh, I'm too scarred. 
You don't know my life. It's too bad. I've had this happen and I've had this happen. And our faith falls out. And I tell you, then our hope falls out and joy is nowhere to be found because you don't believe the story. You believe the story and you start to realize that this Jesus we're singing about, this Jesus we're worshiping, when he arrives at dead places, he comes to bring life and we're to join him inside that fight. There's strength all day long. And then you talk about Calcutta and one of our heroes, Mother Teresa. And you talk about life coming to dead places. Now we celebrate and sing and talk and write books about this woman who walked into Calcutta. But I'm telling you, when she walked in for the very first time, there wasn't anybody writing books about her. She just saw a dead place and decided that she would walk in with the one who can bring life. Was it about people being physically raised from the dead in her situation? No, it wasn't. It was about life, the presence of Christ coming and making a loving reality coming very close to those who were suffering. And that was the story of Calcutta. Why? Because she was persuaded that life can come to dead places. And I just got off uh, this plane from China and, and this experience in East Asia. And I'm so excited to be able to share all that with you guys down the road. But I just want to say, while I was there, though there are some difficulties and challenges, I want to tell you that life, life is coming to dead places. It was, it was uh, mind-blowing and inspiring to see what's going on all around the world. With those who believe this idea of joy, this God desire. And I believe it for Asheville, and I have been very honest with those of you who have journeyed with me, what it's been like to be assigned here in this city for eight years and, and to battle what we battle here. And I know what Asheville is currently famous for. But I believe, I am persuaded that God wants his son, Jesus, to be famous in Asheville. And that's a fight. But I have two choices when I walk out on those streets and when I get up here and when I minister in this gathering in this church every, this, every day of the week. I can believe the lie that no change is coming here. This is a waste of all of our time. Or I can believe the gospel, that life comes to dead places. And I can tell you right now, it has been such a fight, but I am marked by that belief and that conviction that God brings life to dead places. And that fuels my prayers and it fuels my actions. This idea of God's God desire. I want to talk to you in closing about three pretty famous passages that include this idea of joy, this word joy. And I want to instead substitute the word God desire and see if it starts to make sense. Nehemiah 8.10 is a pretty famous passage. It's what um, Sue was singing with the kids this morning. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. How about this? God desire will be your strength. Oh, actually wanting him actually wanting him more than anything? Wow, then, then everything else starts to grow strangely dim. What about this? This is a really famous one. Uh, James 1, 2. Heard lots of teachings about this. Lots of books are written about this one. Count it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I haven't met anybody who can do that yet, except for Paul. 
And I don't ever know, really, if while he was taking the beating, he was going, yes! Because we substitute, we think that joy is the same word as happy. And I'm trying today to take a big sword and slice that and say, it is not happy. Joy is God desire. Now let's say it this way. Count it all God desire when you face trials of many kinds. I'll do this for you, Lord. I'll persevere for you, Lord, because I want you more than I want anything else. There you start to feel the strength coming into your bones because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You are my joy. You are my joy. I want you more than I want anything else. You are my desire. Just you. And good news, the one thing that is our joy, the one thing that is our high desire is always available and for free to us. It cost him a great deal. But we don't, it's free. He's always available, always accessible, and he is our high source of joy if it's, if it's true. The other things, which we're going to talk about next week, that steal our joy, the other places that we're tempted to look for strength, <clears throat> come and go. But you talk about an unmovable army. If we become as we become, as we become those kind of Christ followers who are strengthened by joy, who are facing the calling on our lives and whatever it is that God wants to bring his kingdom here to earth and we're just aligning with him and walking with him, you can't stop an army like that. Galatians 5 says there is no law against the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can come against it. Nothing can stop it. Love and joy, they're our fuel. What is it? It's, our, it's a God desire. It's a God desire. That's what joy is. And if you don't have it, it might be because you just don't really want God very much. I think. That might be where we need to start, right? It's not trying to conjure up an emotion because it's not an emotion. The emotion will follow the desire. Once you get that lined up, Jesus will do the rest. Promise. Because what you're doing is you're coming into alignment with your creator. He made... He made us in his image. And this is what I think it is, guys. I really do. Some people will say, I have felt joy before. People who don't know Jesus, they'll say, I felt it. It's like, I know that's true. I bet that's true. I bet when you're up on the Blue Ridge Parkway and you're looking at the mountains and it's really still and it's drop dead gorgeous in a way you can't even describe it on earth. It's so beautiful. And something kind (gasps) of swells in you and you might call that joy. I believe it is. I believe that's an invitation from the one who loves you most. God desires getting on you. And you might want a taste of a drink. I just, it's so good when I'm out in nature and I feel it. Or the thing that you love to do best. Or the thing that um, watching children play. Or there might be moments when you kind of, you feel something and maybe it feels like happiness and that's the word you want to slap on it. But I'm going to tell you, it's not happiness. I believe it's desire for God that's sweeping over you. And as we gain it, as we grow in it, and as we learn to stay, then God will strengthen us there. I want to close with John chapter 15, which is where we're going to um, be kind of in this month. And Nate, you can go ahead and come on up. <clears throat> John 15 is my one of my favorite passages, and it's the last night Jesus was alive. And so I've always thought that the words of a man who knows he's about to die are, are, are very, very important. And it was in these words, and this, these are the words that are literally taken from his like last talk with his disciples. And it's almost as if he's just laying out and don't forget. And I'm, you know, being a mom 
who went, uh, leaves the house on a big trip, there's always those last words you say when you're at the door. And don't forget to feed the dog and don't forget to be nicer. Those last, those last words, I feel like this is what Jesus has on his heart when he's saying, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Basically, he's saying, let's do this together. And then there's this very powerful, very powerful scripture um, in John 15, 9 through 11. And if it comes up, I'd like us to read, read this one together and just uh, really hear it. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And I don't know how Jesus said those words. I don't know what posture he took, but in my mind and in my imagination, I, whisp- I picture him almost whispering them. That, that last verse, if you don't mind, Brian, bring it back up on the screen. I believe those last words are the secret of how to escape earth. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Let me do it this way. I have told you this so that my God desire may be in you and that your God desire may be complete. Can you hear Jesus say that? I'm telling you this so that my God desire, the way I like God, that it's going to get in you and then your God desire will be complete. Jesus went on after this to to call his disciples friends. And I believe that if you're going to walk in joy, you are going to be a friend of God. Because joy is his permanent address. It's where he lives. And as we gain the skill to remain in him, to obey him, and he says, if you love me, you will obey me. Those two things go together, everybody. Can I say that again? Because our postmodern popular American culture does not like that, but it's the truth. He said, if you love me, you will obey me. Well, no, I love Jesus. I just really want to do it my own. I just don't. No, you don't. Love him. No, you don't. Not by his definition. If you love me, you will obey me, and then my joy will be in you, and your joy will be complete. See, joy isn't something you can go buy at the drugstore or go to a popular talk show and get. It can't happen. It belongs to God. You can't have it without him. And that's the truth. And I'm not doing anybody any favors by trying to dumb that down and make you feel like you could find it somewhere. You can only find joy inside of your God because the fruit belongs to him. And if you find that it has been gone for a long time, it's because you have been gone for a long time. That's the truth, church. That's just the truth. And nobody can fix that but you and Jesus. What is joy? It's God desire. I just want you more than I want anything else. Why don't I have strength? Because I don't have a lot of desire for God. That's why. Once I get that desire for God, I got strength all day long. It's all that matters to me. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of God and to finish his work. Joy remains, joy stays. It's why Paul and Silas could sing at midnight, right? We know these stories. 
It's because they wanted God more than they wanted anything else. <sighs> We're going to head into a time of worship in the next 30 minutes. And it's a continuation of this, this talk and this meditation, this experience of what is joy. This song we're about to sing is going to be, it's called Mercy. And when you're ready inside this one or the next song, communion's going to be available. But I want you, if you take it today, as you take it today, to really meditate and frame on this idea. Your friend, on the last night of his life, right after he had had his, the last supper, the last time he would drink of this, he said, from now on, Whenever you do this, remember me. Remember me. And remember, I called you my friend. You're my friend. Remain in me. Stay with me. Let's do this together. And then my joy will be in you. And your joy will be complete. You'll want God like I want God. And that'll give you the strength to endure gravity and earth and failure and difficulty is to do it with Jesus who for the joy set before him endured his cross so he could sit down at the right hand of his daddy in heaven and we'll have that same joy and that same strength what is joy it's God desire I want you more than I want anything else Lord Jesus thank you for the way you walked before us Thank you for the way you obeyed your father, the way you loved him and you showed us how to love him. Thank you for giving us a picture of how joy can give us the ability to endure and to bring great life to dead places. And Lord, some of us have dead places in our hearts and in our homes right now, in our, in our, in our places of work. And we are tempted to believe that they will always be dead. Lord, I pray, infuse faith in us today to be able to just even whisper a prayer, bring life to this dead place. Jesus, I give you permission. Lord, I pray that right here inside this room we'll become people who understand this, that we'll have stories to tell, like, like Fanny Crosby, this is my story, this is my song. And we have a story to tell our city. But Jesus, um, before we can tell anybody, we, we need to know the story ourselves. So for anybody here today who walked in feeling dead inside or knowing death or it's been a long time since they've really sensed that breath of God desire and that joy, then I pray you will meet them here in these elements, this bread, this juice, these songs, these prayers, these meditations. Let the power of your Holy Spirit through your word crack open those graves, roll away those stones and start pulsing your life through your bride, Jesus. Let her take a deep breath and awaken to the incredible joy of this story that life follows death because you went there for us, you did it first, you demonstrated incredible mercy. There'll never be a better story to tell. In Jesus' name, amen.